worry is a, a sin that stops you from truly enjoying life. It stops you from enjoying your friends, your family, your work. It robs you of everything. And that's not the will of God for us. God doesn't want us to worry, not because He wants us to be careless. It's basically cast your cares upon me. Because God has promised to take care of us. Now, in Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, and then we're talking about city, but we're talking about everything concerning your life right now. Because if the city is not guarded, something bad is going to happen. But we think we are able to do it, and we're depending on ourselves. And God says, no, you can't do it. You don't have the ability. And unless God does it, you try, but you try in vain. God has to be part of the equation. It has to be God and God alone. They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Then he tells us, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. You know, worry will rob you of sleep. But you see, God says, that's not my will for you. I want you to sleep well at night. And if you worry, you toss back and forth. Sometimes we sweat, right? We're all in this. For something that we are imagining that has not happened, but we're so concerned, we have forgotten God. And when God, God says, when you are in that condition, He is no longer your God. We are supposed to fear God, right? Now you feel afraid of the, whatever that is, you can't serve two masters. It's got to be God and God alone. It has to be God's grace. Amen? And His grace is available to us. We are all in this condition together in situations. A certain truth stuff at you, and they're real. And it's hard not to worry. And so the first thing, just like I've said here, the first thing to do, the first thing I must do is find a place with God where I can lose my fear and stop worrying about it. It's still there. But you, you and I can never know God's path. You don't know what He's doing. If He's allowed it, there must be a purpose. If we're trusting Him, then we know there is a purpose behind it because the Bible says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to your purpose. No, His purpose. His purpose. But because we are humans and don't know the future, don't know what's coming, Satan takes advantage of that and gives us a disquiet spirit. And David cried out, why are you so troubled, <laughs> you know? Why are you so concerned, oh my soul? Trust in God. Why are you disquieted within me? He experienced it also. It's a serious thing for every one of us. But God is saying, in spite of it, trust me. And sometimes we have to speak. Trust, that's what David said. Why are you so disquieted within me? Trust in God. And we have to trust God so we don't lose sleep. Now, with regards to affairs of life, we have gone through a lot. If you're alive today, you know you've been through a lot of stuff. We tend to forget how God brought us through when we had the first 
for by Satan doesn't want us to remember. And even if we remember, we don't even want to consider it. Because to us, it seems, this new trouble has a different take to it. And so because of that, in the same fear, because we don't know the future, it's hard to truly trust God. But again, find a place in God and let God know you are my deliverer. You are my God. I'm trusting in you. I don't know the future, but that's why he is the first and the last. Amen? He is the beginning and the end. And you want him in the beginning, not just at the end alone. Take him at the beginning of the trouble and wait with him till the very end. Because he is there with us. You know, God has built in his creation the ability for the creation to take care of itself. That's what Jesus was saying. If God's made you, he has his plan for your life. But he already told us in his word, if you are a righteous person, you're going to go through difficult times. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, right? Many. I mean, don't translate that to be sickness, right? Because that's not what he's talking about. Troubles that come to you. Many, but the Bible says God delivers the righteous from all of them. You can read in Psalm 34. God will deliver us from all of them. So Jesus tells us, basically in his word here, if you're concerned about what's going on in your life, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into bonds. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked the question, Are you not of more value to him than they? They're just creatures of God. They are not children of God. But God is saying, Why are you so concerned? Notice, the birds don't worry. They don't know whether there is going to be some kind of something to eat, whether it's going to rain and there will be in abundance, they will have abundance or whatever. They have no idea of those things. But God has built into them, they know where to go. Amen? They know where to go to find food. They depend solely on God's mercy. And Jesus is saying, If God can take care of those, he'll take care of us. It's a very comforting thing. In other words, don't worry. God can take care of you. There's a song I used to sing as a young Baptist fellow. It says, God will take care of you. Don't be afraid. God will take care of you. And we need to hear that tonight. God's at work. He never sleeps. He never sleeps. If you're concerned about it, guess what? He already sees the pain. He already knows exactly what's going on. He sees everything. And so he wants us, if we are going to worry, we hinder him. Because worry is sin. So you want God to intervene and you worry, you stop it. Some preacher said, if you are going to worry, don't pray. Stay, don't be double-minded. Because the double-minded person is unstable in all his ways. God's not going to give you a thing. So he tells us, Jesus, this is a real problem for us. So the whole message where he started with the good eye, if your eye is evil, and all of that goes down. Therefore, don't worry, because God will take care of you. You may have to go through a season, but he's going to bring you out of that season. And there is a better season waiting for you ahead of time. Sometimes I wonder, so you can understand what others are going through and be truly grateful to God when he brings you to the other side. But will he bring you to the other side? For sure. If he wouldn't, we couldn't be reading these words. 
If God wasn't willing to bring you to the other side, these things would not be recorded. That we shouldn't worry. That God takes care of the birds. That you are of more value than the birds. All he's asking is for us to trust him. That he'll take care of us. He says, which of you, verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his statue? In other words, you're wasting your time worrying about it. You can't do anything about it. The circumstances are beyond you. There is nothing you can do. But guess what? Leave it in the hands of the one with whom no circumstances is beyond. He can handle it. And God says, trust me. I think that when we trust him, he gives him pleasure. Especially when we are going through difficult times. He gives him pleasure when we can trust him with our trouble. Because he won't allow you to die in that problem. But we hinder him with our worry, which is sin. And he cannot move. We tie his hand. So, are we all tempted to worry? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If somebody tells me my son has hurt himself and is really critical, I'm going to be very concerned. That's the spiritual word for worry. <laughs> okay? I'm going to be very concerned. But God saying, I got this. I got this. I'll take care of you. Just trust me. You see, you read in the scriptures, what can be this critical when your daughter is dead? I mean, remember the man that went to get Jesus, Jairus, and they were on, his, on the way? Sometimes I think about that story, how I will respond, you know, as a human. We forget that these people are humans, right? But how I will respond naturally. He finally got Jesus, finally, right? And then he tells Jesus, come, come and heal my daughter. She's dying. And then on the way, some lady came and touched Jesus' garments. Now, I'm sure the guy was pretty confident. He's coming with me. This is going to be okay. Let's hurry a little bit. I mean, probably walk real fast ahead of Jesus and told her, hey, come on, please. Move it a little bit. My daughter is about to die, you know. And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And then he's looking around like, who touched me? And he's thinking, who touched me? What kind of stuff is this? And nobody is owning up to it. Guess what? More time going, right? The guy is nervous and he's saying, if that's me, man, if you touch him, just own up to it. So we can continue with what we're doing, right? Please say something. Whoever did this. I think I'm the only one that will feel that way. But that's what I'll be feeling. And if nobody answers, I'll probably yell out, why don't you just say something if you did it? And then, right after that matter was settled, he turned around and he sees a face that he was not expecting to see sad walking towards him. Guess what? You'll be very, very worried. Uh, very, very concerned. Okay? Spiritual one. But Jesus turned to him and said, no need to worry. Don't even be concerned. That's death. And he said to her, I mean to him, only believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So, belief is so important to God, especially in the face of trouble. Serious trouble. Because that tends to take us off from the thing, the only thing that pleases God. Because faith is the only thing that pleases him. And when Satan can get, off, get, get us off that, then we are no longer as pleasing as we were just because of this thing. So Jesus said, don't worry about it. God takes care of the birds. And certainly, he knows you better than the birds. Right? So he says, 
verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? I mean, that's the question. If Jesus will come to me in my worry, as I'm, uh, well, let me say, very concerned, he comes to me, why are you so concerned? That's a serious question. My reply is, can't you see what I'm going through? Well, he knew before you got there, right? So he tells us here, so why do you worry about clothing? And we're not just talking about what to wear. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Basically, God is saying, no matter what's going on, no matter how things have been unraveled in your life, I can make things better for you. I can make things more beautiful than they were in your life. But he says to trust him. Verse 30 says, Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? In other words, take care of you. And the problem is, oh ye, oh you of what? Little faith. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's what we all experience. That's why I have to, God, please help me to trust you, even in presence of this. Not ignore the problem. But please help me to trust you. Let me not have this disquieting thoughts, tormenting thoughts, so I can't sleep. I'm so tossed, worried about what the future is. But Jesus is my future. Jesus is your future. He holds the future. And if it's Jesus, the future is good. God will come through. I hope we are encouraged by his word. Amen. In verse 31 of that same chapter, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall I eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That's the key. God already knows that you need this thing. God already knows if, you, if your car is broken down, he already knows you need, a new, you need a car. And so God says, if your heavenly father knows, then there's no need to worry about it. That's not to say, well, I just don't care. That's carelessness. But you're trusting him that he knows and he's going to help somehow. How? You just don't know. But you can trust him, which is faith. You can trust him. There's a scripture that is uh, a real curious one for me. Because he is our master. That's 123. Psalm 123, verse 1, it says, O you who dwell in the heavens, that's God, who dwell in the heavens, behold, that's look, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters. So as the eyes of the servant, we're talking about the good eye, right? God, Jesus said, you can serve two masters. If God is your master, then your eyes must always look to him for everything because you are his servant. The servant cannot help help himself in the house, serving the master. Everything that's good must come from the master if you are a servant. God says, God is your master, so you look to him. And so they're saying, the word is saying here, oh, you who dwell in the heavens, that's God, you dwell in the heaven, look. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters. So if you're not looking to God's hand, then you are not his servant. 
But the eyes, if you have good eyes, you will be looking to him and nothing else. And if you're looking to such great master, he can surely take care of every need that you have as a servant. The master makes it easy, provides everything that the servant needs to serve him, right? Well, God, if he's our master, he will provide everything that we need to serve him. Otherwise, we couldn't serve him right. And so the scripture is saying here very clearly that the servant, just as the servant looks to the hand of his master, that's how we're looking to our God. Behold, look, as the eyes of of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of are made to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord, our God, until he has mercy on us. You keep looking to God because he's your master. Now, it seems like when when you hear the word until he has mercy on us, you start wondering, what does that mean? It means God doesn't have mercy. We have to keep looking until God has mercy. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, tells us to come boldly into, onto the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we need to keep constantly looking to him because he is the source of everything that's good. And so we'll find mercy if we look to him. But the thing is, your eyes have to be good to look towards to him. When your eyes get bad because other things have taken preeminence in your life, you never look to God. You look to your own strength. You look to what you can do. You're not asking him what to do. You're making your own decisions. As you go, the best you know how to understand it, you go, you're leaning on your own understanding and you're not asking at all what God's doing. So God, what's going on here? Why is this? You have an answer for this and you wait. That's a very difficult place to be. To be patient. And wait patiently for God and see what's really going on. But the key thing, the word of faith, tells us, remember this, that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called to his purpose. According to his purpose. So we need to trust God. The key issue here is to trust God, that God will take care of us. God will shine light into our lives and help us with whatever is going on. Like I already said, if you are going to be anxious, don't even pray. You do one or the other. And that's what the Bible tells us. Philippians 4, beginning from verse uh, 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. What's the meaning of nothing? Let's define nothing. We'll spend all night trying to find out what nothing really means. It says, be anxious for, is this a suggestion? Is this a command? It's coming from our God, right? That's why it's so hard for us because when we, we hear a command from God, Satan doesn't want us to obey. He opposes us and gives us reasons why we cannot trust this command. Just like God said to Eve, don't, don't touch that, the fruit, right? So Satan wants to tempt us not to obey what God says. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't allow anything to make you anxious. Is he saying to be careless? No. Because we must assume responsibility, right? We must be responsible. God wants wants that also for, for us. We cannot tolerate confusion because God is not the author of confusion. But God says clearly in his word, be 
anxious for nothing, but in everything, no matter what's going on, in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because you don't know what God is doing behind the scene that you can't see. But you have to trust in his word that all things work together for good. And don't allow anxiety to give you a disquieting spirit and rob you of enjoying life, enjoying your family, enjoying your friends, enjoying your job, and sometimes even enjoying worshiping God. (laughs) (laughs) Because we are all human. Sometimes you have so much going on in your head and you can be in church you can't hear anything because Satan is speaking to you and telling you about everything that's going on and all there is is sigh. But God is faithful. The good thing that is God loves us. Amen? God loves us. He doesn't condemn us. He knows our makeup. And he knows when we truly care, when we truly love, the tendency is to worry, right? If you don't care, you don't fight the tendency to worry. We're human. So it's not carelessness. But God's saying, cast that thing, bring it to me. Let me take it from you. And then have peace. And when, when we give it to God, it's like the, the problem they had, feeding the 5,000. Jesus said to the disciples, feed them. He's <laughs> like, What? feed them. We can't do that. But he asked what they had. They could have, you know, decided, well, we're going to feed them. That won't work. They gave it, they gave what they had to him, right? He took from them what they gave to him, blessed it, he gave it back to them. And then told them, now distribute it. So what he said to them originally was fulfilled. Because originally he told them, you feed them. But they had to give it to him, and then he gave it back to them. So we have to understand that. No matter what's going on, in everything, give thanks. By prayer, supplication, let God know. (laughs) You know how many times we try to inform God about what's going on? How we spend so much time trying to tell him, trying to get him to understand what's truly going on. Can I tell you the truth? (laughs) By the time you're through with talking, you haven't informed him of anything. He already knew about everything you're trying to tell him. You didn't inform him of anything he already knew. So with Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving, that's faith. God... I don't understand what's going on, but I thank you because I know this is going to work out for my good. It's hard to get there. But I tell you what, when you begin to say that before God, uh, something takes over. Because it's the spirit that created the world through the word of God. And we start thanking God and praising him for what he's doing. God begins to work. He says, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Guard your... It's like somebody standing guard. Notice, he didn't say God will answer the prayer. Did he say that? that you will all, the problem will completely be removed at the time you pray. No, that's not what he's saying. So the key thing for making it known to God is what God already wants. No anxiety. Can you get it? That's the main problem. God, your heart, and your mind, even before the answer is delivered. So my prayer and supplication and thanksgiving brings the peace of God, even in the presence of trouble. So he guards your mind, because that's where the anxiety is at. The seat of anxiety is my mind racing, and one thought after another, and all kinds of fears, 
coming into my mind. God says, if you give it to me, then the peace of God that comes from the Holy Spirit now guards your mind, even though the problem is there, you, you are not as worried. You don't have that disquieting spirit or tormenting spirit. Somehow you believe this is going to work out well, no matter what. That's when we really open the door for God. It's easier said than done, but we have to cry out for the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God to help us get to that place. Because once you lose the fear and the anxiety, God begins to move. You've taken the obstacle out of the way. And what was meant for evil, God now turns it to something good. And speaking to you and speaking to myself, this is the way it always works. Whether it's sickness, whether it's financial, Whatever it is, this is the, the way of the Lord. Once you can get your peace in the presence of trouble, because that's why he came. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. Because only in the presence of peace, no confusion. That's the only time God can truly move. And so when we are anxious, we've tied his hands. When we worry and we have that disquieting spirit, yes, he understands what's going on. He understands the torment. But the Bible says fear has what? Torment. And God cannot do that. you got to get to the place where we pray enough to the point where the peace of God now is standing God in our heart and our minds in Christ. So the disquieting thought is gone. I've often said here that the major trouble I have is the fear. It's a serious thing. So you hear something and that fear comes to you. And even though you know the word that you shouldn't be afraid, and I can quote the scriptures back and forth, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear. But you're human. So you stay with it. Waiting on the Lord, you stay with God as you look to him until that fear completely Dissipates is gone. And once that fear is gone, that means you have taken that bread, loaf of bread, and you've put it in the hands of the master. He's going to bless it and give it back to you. You see, you notice I prayed before I started speaking tonight. Usually I just go back. I needed God to help me give the word tonight. Because we all go through this. We all go through this. If you lose your job, mm, Satan will really minister to you. How it's so hard. You can't see what he did in the past. All you see is losing your house, yeah, your car and everything. And you can't sleep. And all these thoughts going through your head. You wonder, you're 50 years old. What happened? Who brought you up to when? Haven't you been through troubles before? You don't remember any of those. And Satan doesn't want you to remember that God helped you. All he wants you to remember is the trouble that you're going through right now. But I can say, the Lord is my help. He is my strong tower. And God will help you. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God says, I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And he cannot lie. Those are the things we need to believe. I got to finish this message because we're not coming back to good hours. (laughs) That doesn't mean developing bad eyes, okay? <laughs> Matthew, the same chapter, uh, 6, 32. It says, Jesus says, For all, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So God already knows that you need these things. God knows. It is God knowing and just knowing and doing nothing about it. He's saying God knows and he's working. He's doing something about it. That's the way it is. It's not like God knows. I know that you're having a problem. I understand. And does nothing. That's not what he's saying. Jesus says your heavenly father already knows that you need these things. But he says, take your eyes off from that because God's going to take care of that. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things. What, what does that mean? Everything that makes for life and godliness. All these things, he says, God will add it to you. 
But if you focus on those things and you allow yourself to get worried and you are not able to seek righteousness, because these things hinder us. Your joy is gone. What does the Bible say about joy? The joy of the Lord is your spiritual strength. And when your spiritual strength is gone, it's like Samson with his hair shaved. You can't do much. So the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so Satan wants to rob me of that joy so that I become weak. And then he can do whatever he wants. We need to remind ourselves of God's word. When we have needs, remember the Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So we say those scriptures over and over again. In my mind, every time Satan injects the fear, you reply. Just like Jesus did in Luke 4. When he was tempted, it is written. It is written. We don't have to see the devil. But sometimes when those tormenting thoughts come, guess where they're coming from? It's the enemy trying to derail your life, right? And you can tell, just quote the scriptures. Probably say it loud so that you hear it. And that feeling of quietness from God, the Holy Spirit, will come back in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Those are the scriptures to remind yourself about when things are difficult. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 25 and 26. So you shall serve the Lord your God. How many of you serving God? Well, all of you. If you are not, you won't be here tonight. (laughs) You're serving God. Others are doing other stuff, but you are here in the presence of God. So you're serving God. And so God himself said, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will what? Bless your bread and your water. Everything that concerns your life, bless. You know what that means? Bless. If you read in the scripture, every time God blesses, he says, God bless, saying, right? Be fruitful and multiply. That's how God blesses. He blessed Abraham saying this. Blessed Noah saying that after the flood. Blessed Adam saying that. Blessed Abraham and his, uh, his descendants. So that's the way God blesses. So you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. Everything that concerns you. God wants to bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. God will do that for us. So we remind ourselves of that. I mean, fulfilling the number of your days, why should I have a long life and be in in torment all my long life? That's not living. I would rather have it short than to live a tormenting life for long. So when God says he will satisfy you with long life, that's saying goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. You remember the word mercy? To obtain mercy and find grace to help. So goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. And finally, this scripture, you know when preachers say finally, that's always the problem. <laughs> but Second Peter chapter 1, verse, beginning from verse 2, again we share the word grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So, knowing the word of God, knowing what God says will give us that. As his divine power, listen, his divine power has given to us some things. His divine power has given to us some things, right? All things that pertain to life and living for God. Godliness. So if I'm having trouble with my relationship with God, 
God has things available for me to enjoy so that I can live a righteous life before him. Both life, meaning your bills and all of that, things you're concerned about. He has given us all things that pertain. Things always pertain to something, right? Pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him. The knowledge of the word of God. That's how we obtain these things. We know what God has said and we have embraced what God has said. Like I said in John chapter 17, Jesus said, I gave them your word and they've kept your word. You take those words to heart and you begin to say those words even in the presence of difficulty. That's how God delivers. But when we fear, we'll become vulnerable. Do you imagine what would would have happened to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego if they were afraid? And tried to get out of the trouble. They said, we don't care what you say, king. We're not going to do what you say. If we have to die, we're ready to die. But we believe our God will deliver us. From your hand and from the fire. And guess what God did? He delivered them. That's physical fire. It's hard to say something. It's easy to say it. But standing in front of it, (laughs) that's unusual faith. Standing, knowing any minute you'll be gone, that these guys could care less. No fear, no worries. Nothing. And God showed up. And that's where those things, these things are written so that we know how God works. And so when we are experiencing whatever we are experiencing, we go back to the story of the lives of these people and say, God, you did it for this person. You are still the same. Yesterday, today, forever. You did it for them and you are not a respecter of persons and I'm trusting because you love me just as you love David. You're going to do this for me. You're going to get me out of this. And that's what pleases God. We have to say that before him and tell him that we trust him and we, we refuse to be worried or to be afraid. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to what? Glory and virtue, by which have been given to us again these exceedingly great and precious promises, that by them, these promises, we might be partakers of his divine nature here on earth. Um, We really need God's grace because as we read these scriptures, we don't realize that the same words that we are reading now, those words came from the same person that's holding the universe in place. We tend to forget that. We tend to forget that. The mind and the flesh will not let us see how awesome this God is and how good he is that he is loving and he wants to take care of us. And all he's asking from us is, why don't you trust me? When you hear the word, O ye of little faith, that's born out of pain in the heart of Jesus. When he says those words, he's not commending them. He's saying, how how come you can't trust me? How come you're so worried about this? He's frustrated with us, every one of us. But we really need to find a place. We all go through the same. There's nobody that here that haven't experienced worry and pain and concern. That's the spiritual word. Very concerned. But what it is, is take it to God and say, God, please help me until I lose this fear and concern that I have so that I walk in your peace. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't know what you're going through tonight. We are always going through something. There's something, it's just the way life is. There's something in my life that is not the way I really want it to be. Everyone has to go through that. But I'm asking you tonight, can you talk to the Father about it and say, God, I recognize this thing in my life 
I like it fixed, but I'm going to commit it to your hand today. I'm going to give it to you, God, and I ask for your help. Let's all be quiet before him. And in your spirit, just let God know. I need that quietness that comes from you. I don't want to experience any dread. When I sleep or when I'm awake, I commit all to you. God, you said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. We're weary with our difficulties and our problems. And we have no solutions of our own. But we trust in the word of the Lord tonight. We're trusting in your word that you have taken full control of our lives. You knew us even before we were conceived. And you numbered our days. All our days have been numbered by our God. And you knew we would be in this situation. But you said with every temptation, you provide a way of escape. Tonight, O oh God, show us that way of escape. And deliver us from our troubles. We cry out to you tonight. And you said this poor man, according to your word, cried out to the Lord. And it delivered him from all of his fears. God, do that for us tonight and make things well for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what just came to my spirit? Turn to the person right next to you and say, it is well. That's your dismissal. Amen. It is well.